Hi, welcome back to Be Bold Begin. And the episode I want to share with you today is actually an interview I did with the Future of Work podcast, which is another one I also produce. And I I chose this one because I think this will resonate with you. Well, many of you, because a lot of you are artists and you have your own creative business or you're thinking of having your own creative business or something similar. And, And in this interview, I share my journey of how I got started and turned my passions and my creativity into an entrepreneurial journey, as well as some of the hurdles I experienced along the way. So if you're asking yourself questions right now, like how do I take the leap or how do I shift my creativity into something more, then this one's for you. A lot of entrepreneurs say this, but it's true. It's knowing what your weaknesses are, like what are you great at and what are you just good at? And then what are you not good at? Really having a sense of awareness, I'd say that was one of the biggest lessons that helped me not just in business, but as a human being. And it it allows so much more space for me to grow, to make space for others, to be more compassionate in everything I do. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Ever wonder what it would be like to take the leap? In this episode, hosts Salvatrice Kumo and Leslie Thompson chat entrepreneurship, the path to starting, surviving, and succeeding, and what it means to be a woman in a male-dominant industry while also taking into account the uncertainties of building a business in a new media like podcasting. And the guest today is yours truly. I'm Christina Barsi, the founder of Avant House Media and the producer of this podcast. Here's my journey of artist-churned-owner. Welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. I am your host today, Salvatrice Kumo, and here today with my co-host, again, Leslie Thompson. Leslie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. I'm excited that we get to chat today with Barcy, founder of Avant Haas Media, and our producer for the show, Barcy. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Yes. No, we were we were thinking not too long ago. We we've we've done these podcasts 
excuse me, these episodes and you are a producer and you help navigate and you do all these great things with us and coach us and do production, et cetera, et cetera. And you're a founder, you're an entrepreneur and you have a journey and a story. And so we want to hear about it. We want our audience to hear about it because it's a beautiful story to tell. Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. <laughs> That's right, Salvatrice. We're very excited to be talking with Barsi today. And I know we had talked about kind of an overview. We wanted to, to talk about her career trajectory and the role that community college played in that and kind of get her story all the way through school and, and how she ended up where she is today as an entrepreneur at her own business and kind of talk about some of the challenges she had. So uh, if you're up for that, Barcy, we're ready to go if you are. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, let's start with the first point. Can you tell us a little bit about your career trajectory and the role that community college played? Absolutely. So I was your typical aspiring actor. And <laughs> the way I kind of fell into that originally was, well, high school, my English teacher was like, you should, you should take the drama class. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. And I will do that. And then had a lot of fun. And I was a very shy person. So for me, it, it served other parts of my personality that needed to sort of blossom and come out. And I wanted to get out of my own way. So theater really helped me get out of my own way, find my voice, and turned out I was pretty good at it. So I fell in love with it and found a mentor pretty quickly in the community college space. I went to Mount Sac, Mount San Antonio College, woohoo, which is... Yay, sister college. Yes. One of our ring colleges, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, I love PCC, but I also very much love Mount San Antonio College. And I handpicked it as if I were searching for four years. I was very particular. <laughs> it was an hour away from my house. <laughs> it was not out of convenience by any means. It was very much a curated experience that I wanted to have. And I was very intentional about that. Why'd you pick Mount Sec? Just curious. At the time, uh, well, one factor was I wanted it to be an hour away from my house. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, uh-huh. 17 turning 18 and really wanting my freedom. So there, that did play a factor, I have to admit. The other one was mm-hmm. I, I loved the campus. It had some history to it, and I liked just there was a lot of programs, and something about it just spoke to me. I think it was kind of a gut choice at the end of the day, but I don't regret any part of it. I took all the classes the very first semester I got there that I would have dreamt up, and it was like women in literature and environment, humans in the environment and theater and philosophy, and I was like, this is what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> like, this is great. So I, I was excited. <laughs> and um, fast forward a little bit, I, I did well in the theater group there. Ralph Eastman, shout out to Ralph Eastman. He was my first sort of mentor that that wanted to kind of take me under his wing and kind of show me how to you know be a better actor, but also just kind of learn what it means to, to be a human because acting is all about kind of learning about yourself and finding mm-hmm. your your true voice so that you can be as present as you can in every role and on stage and with your other you know actors basically so we went to competition we were i was nominated a couple of times to go compete that was really special and ralph drove us each time to utah and to san francisco and <laughs> places wow. like that so that was like a very unique experience very very special and um from there, I ended up joining the forensics team, which is the speech and debate team for anyone who's 
thinks of forensics as you know <laughs> what is it i was just gonna CSI. say csi are you doing criminal <laughs> investigations like what's going on no <laughs> i didn't see that coming barcy i didn't see that coming. i know <laughs> There's some sci-fi I'll get to later, which I'll which I will touch on slightly because it's part of the story. But uh, forensics actually means seeking knowledge, so that's why speech and debate is called the forensics team, typically. I see. Yeah. yeah. So, Liesel Reinhardt was my communicate my honors communications teacher there. Yeah. And she's our dean here at Pasadena City College. Dr. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you're starting to catch on to how I ended up working uh-huh. with you. <laughs> so she's threaded throughout my whole life, really. So I was about 20 years old at the time, and she's still a big part of my life. I just had her on a panel a couple of weeks ago that I was hosting as well. So pretty, pretty cool. So she made a big impact on me. Uh, there's a lot going on in my life at the time, and she just the way that she coaches and and led that team to victory every year, every competition, no fail. I mean, we won gold. Like it was just a piece of cake because of the, the, the level of care and coaching that went into that team. It was, it was amazing. And I'd never won anything before. I did not win those theater competitions, by the way. (laughs) So, (laughs) So being able to walk over to the speech team and do that for a year and just kill it. She was also the person who was like, okay, it's time for you to transfer now. You can't stay here forever. And she kind of kicked my butt to do that as well. So that's kind of where I started with my interest in the arts, my interest in communication, my interest in speaking and all, all of that. So Fast forward to, you know, after college, and I ended up wanting to pursue acting and got my lead role on stage right after college and thought that I was, you know, the everything. And so I was like, well, I'm moving straight to LA. I'm going to make it. And <laughs> turned out I, I didn't really enjoy the process. I didn't really enjoy what has to happen in order to be a working actor. The audition process was difficult for me because I was only getting sent out for modeling jobs and for commercials that were like for Spike TV or things that ultimately felt misaligned for my spirit. And I felt a little degraded each time and was like, Mm -hmm. this is not what I came here for. How do I get out of this like hamster wheel? (laughs) And and what does this all mean? And is this what this is going to be? So I, I kind of hit a wall around like age 29 and 30 around that time. And, and it was very difficult for me to look at it and possibly give up this thing I've been in love with for over 10 years, you know, my whole adult life at that point and ask myself the hard questions, you know, what is it, what does this mean to you? What is it that you really want? And what does it mean for you to be a, a creative person and an artist? And maybe it's not acting. Maybe it's something else. You know, maybe who knows? So I quit my acting class and gave myself a, a minute to kind of like reflect on all of that and started writing roles that I wanted to play for myself. And this is where the sci-fi comes in. I ended up writing a science fiction story called Dimension. Wow, we're gonna have to read that. I don't, you've never shared that with us. Well, 
I had a feeling, though. I had a, I really <laughs> had a you? feeling. I had a feeling there was a sci-fi <laughs> there background was there somewhere. Something Something's nerdy in there. Yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, I got really obsessed with time theory and was like, well, how can I explore this further and still write, you know, the badass women I want to play? And uh, how, did, how can that all work together? So this story, Dimension, ended up being my first podcast. So you can actually listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can find it. Yeah, so that's how I got into podcasting. And it was back in, you know, 2012 when we were, when I was like joining the, the other people who were doing the podcast stuff that let me come and tell my story with their group. And we launched in 2013. So this is a long time ago. I didn't know what podcasting was. Most people didn't. And I would just tell people it was a radio play because I didn't know what else mm. to call it. <laughs> Yeah. And we had sound effects and music and I wrote scripts every week and we did it for two years. And it was the it made me fall in love with art in a way that I never had because I was creating this world myself and everyone showed up to play along. And that was the most magical. That's so cool experience. Yeah. So then I fell in love with podcasting, of course. And, you know, here we are now. So you can see the impact that had. And I'm sure it wasn't an easy road to get to get here. I think that like, would you say that the next phase of your discovery process and being an entrepreneur, like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, you go from really self-discovery to now entrepreneurial discoveries. And that has so many different, you know, just so many hiccups, so many Mm -hmm. great things and not so great things. Yes right? <laughs> yes, it's a journey, which is for sure full of all the bumps and turns and curves and dips and, <laughs> and successes and surprises too, right? Yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? How you made that transition from discovering this is what you want to do? I love that you said you fell in love with the art. I mean, that that speaks to me. I think that's amazing. So you fall in love, then what? How do yeah. you take it from how do you take it from falling in love to actually building something sustainable that that pays your bills. Absolutely. So what happened was I was so elated with everything we just created that I decided I would produce a documentary about this experience. So that was my first, I mean, I have to say starting funding a film is like starting a business, (laughs) especially if you've never done it before. So that was kind of my first step out in doing something bigger and through that, I we so we finished the film, and it was a 25-minute documentary called Is Anyone Listening? A Podcast Story. And it was a love letter to the experience, to artists, to creators, and to the new media podcasting. And people didn't know what it was yet, so it was kind of like, this is what this is. This is what it can look like. This is how it can change your life, because <laughs> it was truly what it was doing for me. And we did festivals, so we got into some festivals, We premiered at Sci-Fi London, which was a dream come true. And because we were talking about audio and performance in this way, there was there's a lot of audio geeks out there, turns out. And (laughs) people kind of fell in love with the 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 content, like the idea of of just radio plays and and telling a story this way. So we got extra things out of the film festival experience people would create or the festival directors would create these sort of special events for us where we would be featured or um, one of them I got to perform dimension so the 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 script um, I got to fly out some of my players and we they asked us if we would actually do a reading 
as well uh, after our screening at the film festival. And that was like amazing. I'd always wanted to do it live. And what happened was, this is where it connects to how I started a business because I couldn't bring my crew. I couldn't bring my sound people or my production team or my sound effects guy. And I was like, oh no, like I have two weeks to figure this out and I have to do it myself. And I, how am I going to do that? So I quickly learned how to sound design. I quickly learned how to put together a digital soundboard and find the technology to do that. And threw together a special script and did all of this uh, in a couple of weeks time before we had to go (laughs) perform. Wow. And I was so impressed with myself (laughs) (laughs) that I was like, I can do anything. I can do whatever I want. And I quit my job. I quit my day job the weekend before I was supposed to leave for this festival. And I was like, I'm going to go follow my dreams. And I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for a long time, which I hadn't mentioned yet. I was kind of like geeked out on entrepreneurship by this point already, just watching how other people did it and not understanding like, when am I going to make the the jump? It's so scary. Like, how do people do it? You know? So I just literally did it and just did it. Just did it. And I went to this festival (laughs) and I saw someone speak and I was like, I need to talk to him after. And I went up to him and I told him I was a podcast producer, which I wasn't yet. (laughs) <laughs> and that I had a company. That's right. That's and right. and that, small detail. Yeah, and that you know we sh- he should call me. <laughs> nice. He was like, okay. And yeah. I ran into him later that night, and he'd been obsessing over the idea. And he was so like excited, and he was like, we need to talk. We need to talk. I was like, great. Yeah, let's talk. And um, we were just you know firing ideas, and he was a, a manager of a lot of uh, very famous YouTubers. And he's like, I have someone for you. I, I know who you should launch with. And I told him my whole, I told him everything. I was like, this is what I want to do. I haven't started yet, but this is what I've done. And he was just so excited with me. So he's another mentor, it turns out. He just kind of was like, I want to help you. And he gave me my first client. And she's, her name is Laura Clary. She's very popular in the YouTube space. And I got to, I got to work with her as my first person. And I started my business officially a couple months after that in January of 2018. And this was in the fall of 2017 when I was you know, lying to people about my, <laughs> about my company. <laughs> I told him, you know, the truth immediately, uh-huh. but it, uh, I just wanted to bait his interest and it worked. <laughs> nice. Well, did you find that, did you find that it was a a male dominated sector? I mean, Mm -hmm. did you anticipate that? And how do you navigate that as Mm -hmm. a young female entrepreneur in a very, you know, white male dominated space? Exactly. Very good question. And and you're absolutely right. It was very white male dominated. It still is technically. I mean, the numbers are still leaning in that direction. It's grown a lot since then, uh, even in the short amount of time that has passed. But going into podcasting industry events, it's just an ocean of men. You know, you see, you go to a conference and it's hard to find the faces that look like you. You know what I mean? And that's usually how we feel related and how we can normalize the situation is when we see you know, faces that look like, look like our, our own or hear voices that sound like us, you know, it's very important for like younger people, especially, you know, f- especially to, to see that and hear that in media and everywhere. So 
it, it, it's a little off-putting when something is so saturated in one direction. So the, the space has been making a lot of efforts to try the industry as a whole to make that it more of a diverse a diverse place. Women are really leaning into it. The stats I remember from about a year ago when women were about at 41% of the, the industry where they were way, way lower than that before, just like a year before. You had mentioned like going to these events and, and not seeing yourself represented and the importance of kind of alluded to the importance of representation in these arenas. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if the work that you do as a mentor for other young women or, or, you know, is Well, I did start to do some outreach last year to, I was offering free coaching to anyone, well, black creators first, and then just anyone of color, because I, I believe diversity is the best way for us all to have a, a clear and real representation of the world. We're not seeing all the perspectives if we are missing that many voices. Mm-hmm. So it's important to me to use this platform in that way as well. And I wanted to just make time for that. So that's something that I'm still offering. If there's anyone out there who wants, you know, free coaching for, you know, like a free 30 minute coaching session when it comes to podcasting or even starting a business, I'm happy to do that because I think that it's necessary for all of us to, you know, if I can eliminate a barrier somehow, then I'm happy to do that. Cause I, I think again, it's important for us to have a full picture of what the world is and we need more voices to rep- to, to uh, reflect that. And not only that, just feeling like connected. Exactly. You know, feeling of connection and community. And, you know, it's really kind of this community led effort to build awareness, to, you know, be of support to one another. And so that you don't feel alone. I think as oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we do feel alone. We're out there. You oh, know, yes. Right. And it's lonely. It's a very lonely experience. Yeah. Because we don't know what we don't know. Yes. Right. And then we end up um, stumbling, stumbling across obstacles that we hadn't really thought about or and or better yet, like we keep talking about op- obstacles. But you know what? Sometimes there's an abundance of success and entrepreneurs have a hard time navigating that as well. I'm sure you've experienced that, right? Where you experienced mm-hmm. this growth and you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, how do I mm-hmm. how do I how do I manage that? Is, is that is that a true statement? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you touched on so many things. I'm like just seeing flashes of my life <laughs> go by as you are mentioning these points, <laughs> because it's true. It's like this very up and down experience and being in, you know, you were talking about hurdles and stuff, being in a new media, there's not that many colleagues to reach out to and go, how are you doing this? You know, I, I didn't know anybody else doing it when I started. Mm-hmm. And there was just no one to reach to. And you couldn't even Google podcast production at the time. There was only traditional production to look to. And those numbers don't make sense for this space. It just doesn't translate the same way. Neither does the systems or the organization for it. So <laughs> it's sort of a strange, it was a strange navigation right. at the beginning because of that. And it's like such a relief now to be able to Google something and go and have information come up. So that's the first year and a half, I'd say, of what this experience has been. And then last year was where I experienced more growth because, you know, because thanks to COVID, a lot of people were mm-hmm. at home and sort of navigating their days differently. And I noticed a, a big surge in people who wanted to either start something new 
or who already had podcasts wanting to really lean in because they weren't paying. Some of my clients would pay for studios and things of that nature, or we record in the field. And now that we can't do that, they kind of have more, had more liberty to do more because they were building home studios and doing things um, at home. So when all you have to do is sit down in front of your computer, now all the ideas start coming and you want to do right. more and like, right. You're kind of forced to be creative you know, giving yourself that permission, that space to. Yeah. Yeah. And some people had the brain space for it, or some people had, you know, whatever it was that suddenly there was a surge and it was just nonstop, which was, I was so grateful for it, but I've never experienced so much burnout in my life either. And that's interesting. Yeah. Trying you to, got burnt out from it. You were burned out from it. Absolutely. I mean, I was working wow. 90 hours a week for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was just impossible to take a break because there then something wouldn't get published <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. yeah and then things were changing so much that some of the what would happen is some of these episodes are timely and then you'd have to can them because the information wasn't relevant anymore so oh, wow. you'd be double producing sometimes so we have multiple shows where this is happening you know you're now doing the same thing two or three times over just to try to get one episode out for one client. And, and then also everyone's new to doing it themselves where they used to have a team, you know, we'd go into studio or we'd have multiple moving parts where they, they could just show up. They can't do that anymore. So now I'm in session with everyone as well. So my time and my days were just so packed with holding everyone and having space Mm -hmm. Uh, for their process and for their work that uh, which I loved honestly was I learned so much and there was so much I gained from that experience but the burnout was just inevitable and very real and it came in waves so I (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah it was interesting and you're and that can sink a company very quickly if you can't keep up I had to learn how to put systems in place very fast what kind of systems were they well I have to admit that one of it was just you know, financial, I hired an assistant and I, I just finally was like, I need more people on my team. I need a team is what it boiled down to. So, but the idea of like onboarding a whole bunch of people was also like overwhelming. And it's like, when am I going to do that? It takes time to train people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a process for sure. And now I have a small team, but it was so shout out, shout out to Brandy, shout out to Daniel, shout out to Clint, shout out to Elizabeth, like, shout out to Brandon. That's so cool. Yeah. And like they are what helped make this doable. And it was, it was, they're, they're all such good people. The experience was so intimate that they would check in on me and be like, is there anything I can take off your plate? You know, is there, you know, what can I do? Stuff like that, that really, really helped make the experience a whole experience for everyone because they wanted people wanted to feel needed as well. Like a lot of people lost their jobs, you know? So it was this gift to be able to hire people because they wanted jobs. And then through having to bring people on, you have to find systems so that you can delegate well. And that just boiled down to organization, finding organizational tools and better ways to streamline the exchange of communication and assets. And that's really what it boiled down to. Those are some serious growing pains. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm reaping the benefits now because all the systems are working. Thank God. Yay. Yeah. And I finally 
have rid myself of that feeling that I had for like the last year or two or three. <laughs> Are you referring to the crippling anxiety? So much. Oh, the, I realized I was living in a fight or flight state for quite a while as well. Like I, I that came into view. You know, one of the hurdles personally was I suffered a concussion in 2018. Oh my goodness. And that was, or sorry, 2019, excuse me. And that was a very difficult thing to grow my business through because it was a new business. So trying to figure things out when you have a head injury is, <laughs> is oh, very gosh. difficult. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> I would bet. I would bet it is. <laughs> my goodness. And no one knew, I'm sure. And you can't right. say anything to your clients because right. that jeopardizes their trust. Their trust. That's At least right. that's what my my fear was: is that it that it could jeopardize their trust, and I didn't want them to worry, and I didn't want them to have to worry about anything but what they were creating anyway. So that that is an isolating experience too, because there's not a lot of information about concussions either. So isolation was very much a part of my life for much longer than COVID nineteen has been in play. Wow, and so. What does it look like for you to stay connected so that you don't feel isolated as someone who's contributing to the gig economy? How do you do that? Right. So that's another good thing to point out is that when you are in a gig, a gig economy, which I feel is where things are headed and are in a lot of ways already in terms of the workspace. So it's just to circle back to like anyone who's listening who might be a student really thinking and looking to your future in a different way. It's not as traditional as it used to be in regards to how you have a job, how you work towards getting that job. There are just, there's, there's a lot of like gig economy stuff that turns into longer positions. Uh, and that's how I started. It felt like a gig and then it became, became more of a, a business. A real, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Something you were doing all the time versus just a little side hustle. Yeah. I mean, I was doing it all the time, which is like gig is a deceiving label, right? Because it's not really a gig, but for but sure you're freelancing. So technically it is. So it's this funny, like yep. in between thing where you're like, oh, this is not a gig. This is like a full time job for yeah. sure. <laughs> but we're not making like business money yet. You know, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned earlier about processes and, you know, we wanted to hear a little bit about that. What skills are required to be successful in this kind of environment? Like it, in order to, to to be successful in a in a gig that's actually a full-time job or to strike out on your own as an entrepreneur, what skills do you need to be successful? And and do you get them in school or do you learn them in, on the ground or Yeah, a um, great question. And I didn't really answer yours uh Salvatrice about how to stay connected. So I'll try to work these both in together. So, you know, I I realized how much organization is a tool. I wasn't the most organized person in as a as just a trait. It's not really my thing. I organize in my own messy way, you know, like seeing my assistant put together spreadsheets is just like this beautiful experience to me. I'm like, wow, isn't that impressive? It really is. And like a lot of entrepreneurs say this, but it's true. It's knowing what your weaknesses are. Like, what are you great at and what are you just good at? And then what are you not good at? So like really having a sense of awareness and being like letting go of the ego and being okay with knowing that you're going to be in a learning space forever. Like that's just the way life is. And if you can accept that and not 
need to know everything at all times. I'd say that was one of the biggest lessons that helped me, not just in business, but as a human being. And it, it allows so much more space for me to to grow, to make space for others, to be more compassionate in everything I do. It, it works inside out in that way for me. And learning that it's very humbling, right? Kind of like the snapshot of what last year was, it's constant pivoting. It's constant, like, what's coming next? I'm not sure. Be ready for it to change. Entrepreneurship is the same way in a lot of ways. Overall understanding of that, I think, is one of the biggest lessons. But still knowing how to prepare through that. So how do you prepare through something that may always be changing? I'm in a new media as well, so it's good to point that out, that not every space is as pivoting as mine might be. The podcast space is new media. We're, we're still learning what it is. And even though it's been around now, people know what it is for at least five or six years or like seven going on seven years prominently. There's still a lot that's changing. And sure, it's constantly right. Uh, so knowing that it's like, how do you prepare through that? And it really does boil down to being okay with not knowing, knowing who can fill the holes that you that you're maybe not great at knowing how to delegate being letting go you know it's hard when it's your own you want to you hold really tight you know at least I do and most of us do when it's something that we've created it's like hard to give that to, to other people to handle sometimes and knowing how to best use your time your time is valuable it's the one thing that you really have you know that that you can manipulate and if you're getting bogged down with operations all the time or with skills that are harder for you, but might be easier for someone else that can do it quicker. That's maybe not the best use of your time. So again, it's like constantly reassessing like, okay, like what's on the table today? Who needs to do what? What's going to be the best use of my time to serve the small picture and the big picture all at the same time. Those are the skills that I think I've most learned. And I worked in hospitality for a long time. And honestly, you're that's the most multitasky. (laughs) You have to have your hands. You have to have eyes everywhere. You have to know what's going on in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You have to know what's going on on the floor. You have to know what's going on with your back staff. You have to know what's going on with your teammates and a lot going on for sure. So I feel like I learned those skills doing that kind of work. And seeing how it translates into this space has been kind of interesting. And then for others, I think for me, it's most important to have soft skills over hard skills. I think there's some hard skills that are imperative to serve, to serve the job, whatever the, the task is. But most of those things you can kind of teach up or, you know, give some guidance on. I'm more interested in someone who's invested, who's willing to learn and grow. You need to have that self-motivation and team player-ness. <laughs> I think that I'm, I think that also underscores what we hear from employers in general in terms of like the skills that are required. There's more need for the soft skills that aren't necessarily always being taught or students aren't graduating with all these other skills. You can learn hard skills. I, I used to work in retail and, and we used to say, you know, hire for personality. We'll train for everything else. Right. Because you got to have those kind of soft skills. And I think what you just said supports that idea that, like you said, you, you're willing to train someone as long as they have these other these other things in, in place. And, and to hearken back to some of our previous episodes, I think Josh Davies points it out really well each time when he says, you know, it's the human skills. Speaking of human skills, dare I ask this question? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> As founder, creator of Avant Haas Media, 
what is next? What is, where do you want to go? You know, where you, where do you want to take your company in the next, you know, year? I know it's super fluid right now and things are so delicate, but what is, what does it look like for you in the, in the upcoming year? Great question. I think about this. I obsess over this question daily because I'm a futurist and I love dreaming about what's next. And that's how I got to where I am. I'd say, because I, you know, it's all about putting action to those ideas, right? So I think about this a lot. Most of my focus at the moment is wanting to lean into more, more mentorship. You know, you brought that up in our conversation uh, earlier, and I would like to lean into that more. That's where my heart really lies. That's something that I realized through this experience with Avant House Media as well through, through working with clients is that I really enjoy the consulting part. I love coaching people into their voice. I love, you know, just showing people that they have what it takes, that their voice matters, and that I can show them how how to do the rest. It's just their passion, their stories, their ideas, their their backgrounds that they deserve to be heard. And I love that process. So I'm, I'm leaning into doing more things like that. I would like to do some more writing. Hopefully, you know, there might be a book in the future. That's so cool. I just did a thank you. I just did a very big podcasting resource guide that's free if anybody wants it. It has a lot of re- stuff in I there. I just saw that. You today. did? Oh, cool. <laughs> I did. I did. If anyone does want it, it's at bebold.avanthousemedia.com forward slash pod resource guide. And it's free. It's like 25 pages. So there's a lot in there. Hoping to do some more like intensive coaching. And I love the podcast space. I'll be probably teaching on that more. I'd like to speak more. I just want to show up more. I want more space to show up in in ways that help people understand how to fulfill their own dreams, really. That's good to know. Because as we, you know, as we grow our own programming here and our division. Yeah, now we know. Send me all the people. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Barcia. Not only for this particular episode, but being a mentor and a guide for us. That's right. As we develop our our own podcast channel. (laughs) There's so much I've learned. There's so much I've learned through this process with you. And I just wanted to thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a delight. I I really, really enjoy working with the both of you and everyone else on the team at EWD and Future of Work and Pasadena City College. And I've learned a lot myself. So thank you. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much again. If someone wanted to reach out to you where else could we find you yeah so you can you can email me directly if you want at barcy at avanthousemedia.com uh if you're on instagram you can catch me there at the barcy i'm on linkedin with just my name christina barcy and of course there's a website which is avanthousemedia.com you can check that out if you need any production or just want to say hi there's a contact sheet there i think those are all the places <laughs> nice very good well thank, thank you. you so much thanks so much well this was really fun thank you thank you for listening to the future of work podcast make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every tuesday you can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.